0: This is Mouth Media Network.
1: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Travel Is Your Business. We are excited because today's guest is Samantha Shankman. She is a reporter, producer, and host whose uh, work has given her a unique lens into the travel industry. Currently, she's working on a documentary on over tourism in Barcelona. So very, very excited to have Sam Shankman on board and... Uh, Stick with us because our episode starts right now.
2: My name is Samantha Schenkman. I'm a travel writer and producer. And what I love about travel is how it helps you continually see the world through new eyes.
3: From New York City, this is Travel is Your Business, covering the intersection of technology and business in the travel industry. With technology thought leader and community builder Pavan Ball and growth strategist Peter Crysdale, and now here are your hosts. Welcome to the show, guys. I am
1: one of your hosts, Pavan Ball, and joining me today is, of course, my co-host, uh, Mr. John Matson. Hey there, Pavan. What's happening, bud? Yeah, not much. excellent. And today we are going to say hello. Everyone, say hello to Samantha. May I call you Sam hello. today? Please do. All right. Uh, we are with Sam Shankman, who, of course, is uh, a reporter, producer, and uh, she's currently working on a very interesting documentary on overtourism in Barcelona. What's going on?
2: Not much. Thanks for having me. Very happy to be here.
1: Now, you are here from Barcelona. Yes. Like visiting us.
2: It's true, which is weird because this is the first time that I've ever lived outside of New York and visited New York just for ten days, and it was really weird coming in and being like, "Wow, this is kind of a vacation in my home."
1: It, oh, it's yeah. the first
2: time I've ever been in that situation.
1: Well, I've always wanted to be a tourist in New York. I'm <laughs> right? from New York yeah. as well, and it's like it's I've way always better than living here.
2: You just get to like get the the best of it. You don't have to stress what out about. You, the what did you What did you get
1: right into over here? I mean, what were your number one spots? T- what did you have to hit right away? Besides like family, of course, and friends. Yeah, I was just
2: basically gonna say that I saw my family really big into bone broth. Went down to Brodo. I've right. been dreaming about it for about three months. <laughs> what, where else did I go? How
0: That's, long have you been in Barcelona? Three months. Oh, three months. That's mm-hmm. about, yeah, that sounds right. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> it, which it's is a not for where I fiscal quarter in, the, in the <laughs> <New> <laughs> York. <I> feel
2: like <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm doing like an Q1. adult study abroad because like yeah. study abroad's three four months.
1: Excellent. Good deal. Well, let's start over here as we we like to do on the show is give us kind of like this high level 30,000 foot view of who you are and what you do.
2: I've been working in the travel industry for four or five years now, mostly as a reporter and writer. Mm -hmm. I had always wanted to do writing. I had always been interested in travel, but I came into it in a really interesting way, which is that I had heard about a travel startup was uh, getting started that would cover the business of travel. And I reached out to them and that became Skift. And so I learned a lot about the business side of travel, which is something that I'd never known about before. Um, I stayed there for a few years and then I wanted to see more about covering the consumer side of travel and went to travel and leisure, which is a totally different experience, mm. not only going from what's a travel media startup to a travel media kind of icon. Well it's
1: time inc, right? It's time mm-hmm. inc.
2: And I go around anyone I talk to around the world has heard of travel and leisure.
1: Yeah, we actually recently had uh, Christina Gurdovich on who was a managing director of Travel and Leisure magazine.
2: Nice. Yeah. So so and I'm sure that listeners who have listened to that episode kind of can hear what um mm-hmm. What what an icon, what a brand that is mm-hmm. in travel. And so it was really interesting looking at the uh, travel industry from each of those perspectives. I then also went into a period where I was booking private travel for some families on the very luxury end. So I went mm-hmm. from covering travel to actually booking travel. And that was another kind of really interesting view into the travel ex- industry. And just recently, I opened a bed and breakfast um, outside of Barcelona. So I've kind of seen the travel industry from four or five different angles at this point good
1: deal now i'll take a step back into skift because i mean now of course after skift has been around as you mentioned for four or five years since you started your foray into travel uh, they have emerged as the content platform for education just kind of covering this industry of innovation business within travel can you talk a little bit more to your role over there and what types of things got you most excited about the industry uh, from that position
2: Well, I mean, what was so incredible to me when I first started at Skift was that I had always liked traveling. You were
1: early, by the way, in Skift, right? Like you were literally mm -hmm. like employee number one or two or something like
2: that. Yeah, it was started by Rafat and Jason and Dennis. Mm -hmm. And then I had kind of reached out to them cold. I just was just out of school and said, I'll do anything. What can I do to help? Mm -hmm. Not even really knowing what the platform was. And so really early on, I was aggregating stories, which was how we started our content production. And then as the team grew as we had more resources and the brand became more well-known I was doing all original stories then did a lot of interviews um, which was great because we kind of went from interviewing you know maybe VPs to being able to get any C level interview in the industry which is just kind of a great experience as your first writing job to go from writing about trends to being able to interview CEOs Um, I then was able to start Traveling, I went to Dubai and Qatar, Berlin, covering the travel industry from on the ground, which was another amazing experience. And they've since continued doing deep dives into destinations, which is one thing that I think really sets Gift apart from other travel publications and other publications in general. Is that they invest in doing deeper um, investigations into topics. They're doing a lot of original reporting there's almost no aggregation anymore. Everyone else in the industry looks to Skift to see what's being written about because it's being broken there. It's being discussed there for the first time. Um, also, while I was at Skift, I thought that the travel industry was missing a podcast. So we started the Skift podcast, which is still being run, and they have a great host over there now. And it's exciting to now have a new podcast, which is Travel as Your Business for the industry. But they're really, you know, for such a topic that so many people enjoy and want to talk about and hear about, I was surprised at the, that there hadn't been another really strong travel podcast that at least I knew about at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Hmm.
0: Well, how did you uh, first find out about Skiff, by the way? So I was curious.
2: I mean, the, do you want the long version or the short version? <laughs> well, you just
0: went out like, Cole, so you must have at least like seen him around or something.
2: Well, I mean, I think it's an interesting story for anyone who wants to get into media. I had studied journalism in school, and there had been somebody who had started a tech publication tweeted that they were looking for an assistant. I reached out and said, I'd love to be your assistant. I'm about to graduate, but nothing ever came of it. A year later, I had been doing some, I'd been doing some traveling, I had, had another job and I quit that job and I said, I'm going to invest full time in becoming a reporter. And that day I got a DM from this uh, founder of a tech publication who said, do you still want to be a reporter? I might have a job for you. So it huh. was one of those very, uh, it worked out really well, it's Time, time is bidding, everything. Yeah. 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 but I then went and was writing about technology for about three weeks and really saw that it wasn't for me. And somebody who was working at the publication said, well, like, what do you really like? What, what are you interested in? And I said, well, I really love travel. And they said, we, hear, we know about somebody who's starting a travel site. You should reach out to them. So, you know, I did my research and I just sent a cold email saying I would love mm-hmm. to help out. And that's the project that became Skift.
0: Interesting.
1: Cool. So now you're out in Barcelona. You're working on a project, uh, a documentary piece, which is about over tourism in the city. Um, how did you get into that? What exactly are you trying to uncover there?
2: So, first, the going from the platform of writing to video was a change for me, and I had spent years writing on the internet. And you know, as anyone who's ever written on the internet knows, it can be a bit grindy in that you're constantly putting out new stories. And I thought that video would be a really interesting way to actually be in a destination, and I was eager to explore what it would mean to tell a story visually, and instead of just I mean, I had always been conducting interviews in person and I was like, the best part of these interviews is getting to see the people's expression and getting to Absolutely. be with them while they're telling the story. And it's hard you can't great writers are able to, you know, put that into writing, but I always thought it would be really interesting to give that experience to viewers. Um, and so that was kind of my interest in video production. Mm -hmm. And so there had been this kind of conversation in the industry about over tourism. So I had been planning a move to Barcelona and beforehand I thought, you know, this looks like a great top, this is a great opportunity for me to dive into video production for me to dive into over tourism. So what is, is over tourism it, in Barcelona I guess is the question Well yeah
1: I mean what are you looking to uncover like from what vantage points are you looking at it on the cause and effect to government to re- obviously of course resources uh, small businesses what different lenses are you are you uh, uh, focusing on
2: really? To look at over-tourism, you have to look at all the different factors. I mean, if we want to talk about Barcelona in particular, they are an incredible story in that they were kind of an unknown city prior to the 1992 Olympics, mm-hmm. and the city decided they were going to host the Olympics like a lot of cities do. They put a lot of money into improving their infrastructure. Now, what happens to a lot of Olympic cities is they put money into infrastructure. And
1: it's a yeah, carcass after you leave. Exactly.
2: Mm-hmm. But what Barcelona succeeded in doing was beginning to build a brand that was kind Kind of built around one it's an artistic city it's on the sea so it offers an urban experience as well as a beach experience and they started to build this reputation as um a great place for dining a great place for nightlife a great place for art mm-hmm. i mean which is of course a big part of gaudi's work is what it's given yeah. that that reputation but they were unprepared for how fast tourism was actually going to grow. So let's say in the next 20 years, the tourism was growing exponentially. And Barcelona is not a big city. And there's not a ton of space to grow because it's either, it's surrounded by mountains and the sea.
1: And generally urban planning is done decades before the the wave comes in or population growth as it's estimated. So if you're boosting Mm -hmm. that exponentially, you're kind of effed, right? You're, (laughs) you're, you're you're left with roads that need to be built and bridges that need to be built. And And even
2: more so the, the tourism attractions, let's say La Rambla, which is a major street that people will go to walk down. Um, La Sagrada Familia, Parkway, all of these are really concentrated in the center of the city. So what you have is tourists coming from around the world wanting to take pictures but wanting to go to all of the same places yeah so now what does that mean that's impacting cities that's impacting locals quality of life in terms of being able to go to um the market let's say la boqueria is the famous market there there's more people taking pictures than buying produce traffic Um, how's crime there i mean crime that's a great question it's one of the pickpocketing pickpocketing is a huge issue there. And it's often said Is that-, that
1: really a thing? Like I hear that about New York even that pickpocket, oh be careful pickpocket. Like, have you ever heard of someone being pickpocketed here?
0: No, I haven't.
1: But every time somebody is like every time someone visits, a, they're always warned about pickpockets.
0: There's a there's a company in our membership that literally just makes pants for travel that have like hidden pockets <laughs> that you can't pick For pocket Barcelona them. and Paris. So, like <laughs> that's that's Barcelona <laughs> and Paris. <laughs> just... Only markets. But like they're like a thirty-person company already. All oh, like, right, wow. yeah. Wow. It's, Like, enough people get pickpocketed or are afraid of or, it, I guess. or just
1: worried about it. It's like the Y two K scare <laughs> where you're like coming out with like self-pumping like 2017. Yeah, yeah, that's
2: right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I mean, I okay. think it is an issue. I had a friend come visit. She went to the the airport, and as she went on the subway, as soon as she got to our apartment, all of her stuff was gone. Oh. And this was maybe huh. a month or two that's, ago. Well, that's I guess with the th- crowds,
1: th- also, it's easier, mm-hmm. right? So like Rio gets just. You get destroyed down there. All your, all your valuables are gone without you realizing in Rio during during the Olympics. So, I can only imagine.
0: You know. I, I was wondering about um, uh, even a step backwards. What about um, your transition to travel and leisure? Like, um, what, why why the transition? Or like, what was your experience like with that from Skift?
2: I mean, travel and leisure is an incredible publication. They're huge. They're known around the world, um, and they create amazing stories i mean they still have a print magazine and i think just the fact that it's still printing is somewhat Mm -hmm. of a a success when you go to a big company you get the benefit of getting to meet so many new people but there's also there's also maybe you're not going to be doing everything because there's more people to do it all so i think that um, that transition to going from a small company to a large company was probably the biggest change
1: I think it's a perfect time to take a break and when we come back a deeper dive with Samantha Shankman producer editor um, writer
4: extraordinaire of the travel industry <laughs>
1: <laughs> when we come we back on travel instruments.
0: <laughs> do you remember what we used to say about running
4: oh somebody
1: bigger had to chase you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: exactly
4: exactly I'm BJ Smith and that's exactly how I felt about running most of my life That was until one fall day in 2011. I was chasing my son in the backyard when... (sighs) Something had to change. This was the beginning of my journey to becoming a runner. One that would take me from couch to marathon in less than two years. Now I'm setting my sights higher. This is 16 Weeks, a new podcast from Mouth Media Network, following me on my journey to get into shape while keeping up my obligations at work and still being there for my family. And I'm not doing it alone. My name is Keith Smart. I won a silver medal in Beijing.
3: I'm a sport and exercise psychologist at ECU. Coach athletes all over the world. and
4: I'll talk with experts about challenges all runners face, like figuring out how to make time to run, what to eat, and how to train.
3: You got so dehydrated. Your heart rate went up and it felt like you were working so hard.
0: Everything's trainable, whether it's run form, strength. That's all trainable. And so is our thinking.
4: Subscribe now to 16 Weeks on iTunes, Google Play Music, or wherever you find great podcasts. Together, we can do this.
2: Keep up with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Our episodes are available on iTunes and Google Play and online at TravelIsYourBusiness.com. Plus, there are a lot more great shows on Mouth Media Network. Take a trip to MouthMediaNetwork.com to enjoy them all. And remember, we love fan mail. Drop us a note to say hi, suggest a guest, or if you'd like to become a sponsor on the show, email us at travelbizshow at mouthmedianetwork.com.
1: Welcome back to Travel Is Your Business. And of course, we're here talking with Sam Shankman. um, And I'd like to start this next segment off with just talking about um, the inventory. So with over the inventory in Barcelona. So with over tourism comes a a need to place all these people in having uh, areas to stay accommodations. You know, you mentioned that you started a a bed and breakfast, but how is um, the hospitality, um, industry shifting there, as well as maybe the shared economy, things like Airbnb and, and similar, maybe?
2: Yeah, this is a major conversation that's happening in Barcelona. So it, the city has had really high occupancy rates, which is how many people are staying in hotel rooms for the past, I don't know, let's say decade. Mm-hmm. They've remained consistently high, which even even though there's been new hotels being built, all of the rooms are filled.
1: Is there a busy season or like a the busiest, quiet time?
2: The busiest season would be April to October. Okay. It gets a little bit more rainy. It gets a little bit colder, you know, let's say from November to March. But there are always tourists there. Mm-hmm. I will say that in April it got a little bit warmer and immediately I noticed that the sidewalks were filled, that there, there was a change in the yeah. atmosphere in the city. So what happened in Barcelona when it comes to inventory, though, is that all of the room rates, all of the occupancy was really high. All of the hotel rooms were filled, but they had a new mayor come in. And she was actually elected on the grounds that she was going to combat this over-tourism. Now, she did this in two ways. One was by looking at the Airbnb situation, which I'll come back to. But the other way when we're talking about hotels in particular is that she actually stopped licenses for hotels, which meant that no new hotels could be built. So you now have a situation in which there's no new hotels being built, but there's more and more tourists coming. Now, Mm -hmm. this is great for hoteliers because it means that they can increase the rates. Mm -hmm. But it begs the question, where are these tourists staying? A lot of tourists are staying in... Uh, Tourist apartments. Now that usually means Airbnb, but it also means a whole other dozen maybe home sharing, apartment sharing websites. Barcelona is different from other cities. Well, it's similar in other cities that it has this question of whether Airbnb is legal or not, but they um, made it very clear that it's illegal unless you had a tourist apartment license. They only gave out a certain number of these, and within two years of making these licenses, they stopped giving out the licenses as well. So Airbnb didn't stop list, or I should say Airbnb and other home sharing websites did not stop listing tourist apartments, but only a very small number of them are actually legal. I have had friends uh, that are now talking about receiving 6,000 euro or greater fines because the government has come after them for listing their home on Airbnb.
1: Wow. You use the word Mm -hmm. combat. She was elected to combat over tourism. That doesn't seem like a very friendly word. Um, So I want to I want to hear more about that. What is the overall sentiment on tourism from a local standpoint?
2: I think that people have created their livelihoods around tourism. Um, I have had friends who sell souvenirs, friends who um, have restaurants who work in the hospitality industry and they live on these tourists. So I think that the city is very um, cognizant of the fact that they, they run on tourism, especially if we're going to talk about the recession. Uh, Tourism really helped Barcelona stay afloat. I mean, they're still their employment levels are one of the lowest in Europe, but tourism, helped as much as it could let's say um but that being said there is very much a feeling of fed up the locals are fed up with tourists in a lot of ways i think that it just comes down to kind of when it starts impeding on your everyday life that's where the conversation of airbnb comes in a lot because people are saying that they're having tourists stay in their apartment buildings that there's new people in and out every day there's issue of safety Mm -hmm. There's protests. I think that also, like any topic, people's reaction. Every person has a different relationship. Some people say, "Oh, yes, we have a lot of tourists. It's annoying." And other people are out there protesting in the streets.
0: So, um, when you were like finding out more about this story, which which one did you find more dominant? Were there more people that were that were uh, like very actively against the tourism? I mean, I guess if the mayor got elected on the premise, then the, the town's sentiment was, uh, you know, that, that this over tourism is a, is a real threat.
2: Yeah, I think that I think that there's two two sides to it. I mean, in one case, it's creating a great room. There's a great opportunity as a result. Two of the most interesting people that I interviewed were the creators of these independent boutique hotels. One had maybe 12 rooms, another had 40 rooms, Hotel Brumel and Casa Bonet, And they were creating hotels that really reflected Barcelona in that they would only work with local providers. Mm -hmm. They were only serving food that had been grown in the region. They were only working with designers that were from Barcelona and they were very dedicated to creating, um, places that really reflected and gave back to the city, gave back to it in terms of, you know, providing jobs for people who work in these industries, providing um, authentic experiences for locals. Then I also spoke with a woman who actually didn't end up in the final film, but she was Canadian and she had been married to a Spanish man and they lived in Barcelona, which is um, a small part of the city that's right next to the beach and probably one of the most popular places for tourists. And she had joined um a protest group i had actually found her through the facebook group of of the Mm -hmm. protest group and she said we have to let tourists know the impact that they're having on the city and she really saw them as as kind of ruining what Barcelona was she was saying you know my husband's family has lived in this area for a hundred years and now we're gonna have to move out because there's so much noise because the prices are being increased that's a huge part of it Uh, because so many people are buying apartments or using apartments to rent to tourists the prices are increasing for people who are just renting apartments or buying apartments normally I think it's the same thing that's happening in New York and in a lot or of cities. anywhere else yeah,
1: that, that's yeah. a, that's receiving attention and, and and investment.
2: Well, then you get to the question of gentrification, and is tourism cause gentrification or is tourism a result of gentrification? Is a place becoming nicer, and then let's say we have a restaurant, and the restaurant remodels, it becomes trendy, mm-hmm. they increase prices, more people are going there. As a result tourists also then begin going because the place has great reviews on foursquare sure. or on yelp or is it that tourists start going to an area so different types of businesses can come in and afford the higher rents because the tourists are there it's very much which came first the chicken or the egg gentrification what, what side or tourism? of the conversation are you on i think that progress i think that change is going to happen wherever we are and I don't think that we can point our finger at tourists and say the this is the reason why I can't afford to stay in my home anymore I think that you have to look that there's much bigger factors going on much bigger social political economic factors that are impacting a city and that there can never just be one cause so for us to say tourists are the reason that Barcelona is unlivable now or Tourists are the reason that um, Williamsburg in New York is now so expensive, I think is a very short sighted view. I think that there's so many factors that it's it would be difficult to discuss them all on a podcast or even yeah. in a, a short video.
1: Now, mm-hmm. how about the downstream effects for um, food, right? you You live on a Airbnb that you had built or no? Am it was I- already built. Well, you're managing mm-hmm. okay, and it is on a farm, yes, excellent. Now are you guys using that as you know some sort of um, uh, like a food collective or are you distributing food out of there? like is it a running farm that produces or is it um, a farm that is giving a sustainable lifestyle to the tenants that are on the property?
2: So the farm is in the beginning stages, so we don't have enough food to be to be selling it or to be bringing it to Barcelona. Mm -hmm. The goal is eventually that anyone who's either living on that area of land or is coming as a guest will be able to eat directly from the land. Um, I think that also there is an increase in this interest of farm-to-table food, of knowing the source of where your food comes from around the world. And so people are really searching out two things. One, restaurants where they can know that the food is being sourced from quality places, from, you know, whether that means it's organic, whether it means that it's local – And two, they're looking for experiences where they can actually get their hands in the dirt. You would be amazed Mm. how many people want to come volunteer, not even stay as guests, but want to come volunteer to have this experience of farming. And I just met with a girl last week who was a video producer in new york uh she had reached out to me through this platform that we use for volunteers and she said i want to come i want to volunteer i want to work the land and i to me that was amazing that you know we could connect between spain and new york and there's this desire for that experience how is the
1: city responding to overpopulation from a food supply standpoint like the agricultural community are there urban farmings that's happening there like so in new york you're seeing a lot of rooftop farms a lot of bees Um, Cultivating honey locally and things like that. What what is being done to provide for this influx of people?
2: I mean, I would love to say that the city is grow that the people around Barcelona or New York are growing more food so that they can provide more food to the tourists. But I don't think that it's it's quite that related. It's more of a mindful thing. Yeah, I think that there's more of an interest in these authentic experiences where you know where something is sourced and so that's more of a travel trend but I don't think that we're at a stage where the city is necessarily investing in having more food locally grown because that's what tourists are asking for because the truth is it's it's. I don't think all tourists are interested in locally grown food. I think that it's a very specific segment of tourists.
0: You mentioned uh, authentic experiences there and It's something I was just talking with somebody about um, is that as people, I mean, there's so many startups coming out about authentic experiences, trying to source local community and activities that they should be doing, um, but that it innately actually no longer makes it authentic because it was sought after as a tourist endeavor. And that as more people continue to do that, that the... uh, the local experiences don't really become local anymore. They become just kind of dispersed. It's like this kind of broader idea of globalism in a way. Um, but are you seeing that kind of that same over tourism saturated into like the, the things you started to learn as you were there that three months, like the the local activities that you started to partake in where there's like tourists everywhere and like every type of activity or was there something that felt just like super in it, super authentic?
2: I think that the most authentic experience you can have when you travel is to spend time with people who live in a place because you're. that's how you're going to learn about the culture. That's how you're going to find out about the restaurants. Um, I think that that's what a lot of platforms are being built around. I know that uh, we talked about startups that are trying to offer local experiences or you look at Airbnb's um, tours where they are basically connecting locals with Um, with visitors. And I think that that's a little bit of a manufactured local authentic experience, but in the end it's just about learning what people in that place do. But if you come to now, what we're talking about when we're talking about over tourism is that what do the people in Barcelona do? If there's more tourists and there are locals, the local culture is becoming smaller and smaller. So we're Mm. getting to a place where the culture of Barcelona is a tourist culture
0: yeah barcelona suddenly becomes disneyland and (laughs) and that
2: is that's a great way to put it and that's what they're fighting against how do you make it so that that you still have a local culture Mm -hmm. but when everywhere you go there's just these transient visitors who are coming in and out you
0: know as a storyteller what do you think this like the story of the travel industry right now
2: globalization. I think whether we're talking about over tourism, whether we're talking about this search for authentic experiences, the story of the travel industry or of travel in general is that no place is just that place anymore. When you can just as easily fly from New York to Barcelona, Hong Kong to Sydney in a matter of a few days, and there's more people not just traveling to other locations, but moving there and living there. I think that culture is becoming a lot more of a diverse creature that it's such, it's, it's moving, it's changing. And so we can go to Barcelona or we can go to New York or we can go to any city and search for that local experience, that local culture. But I think that in reality, what we have to look at as travelers is that the world is a much more more connected place than ever before and i think that's changing maybe what it means to travel it's making travel more accessible but it's also making destinations a little less specific in offering just one thing
1: the internet the internet, <laughs>
0: the internet. do you know how to internet? did that did that <laughs> impact this could it be
1: <laughs> no for real like i i do feel you and I'm, I'm excited about the the discovery aspects that are that are in travel now i think that you can really, really carve out a unique experience for yourself as opposed to going to Disneyland.
2: I think that's what it's about, creating what matches your interests. It's Mm -hmm. not about just slotting into what everybody should go and see in a certain place. It's figuring out how to take the parts of that place that match you specifically.
1: Yeah, I think everyone could become, uh, it's easier to become an adventure traveler. Whatever that means to you, you're able to do that now, Yeah. All right. I think that is a perfect time for a break. And when we come back, it is off the beaten path where we ask, uh, where we're going to ask Sam some questions that uh, are not exactly in this realm of business, technology and travel. So when we come back uh, more with Samantha Shank.
0: If you're a business decision maker, you should listen to this. The show you're listening to is produced by Mouth Media Network, a podcasting network focused on the business of lifestyle. Because of our team's background and deep connections with brands, influencers, and ecosystems, we offer a tremendous opportunity to bring your company's message and products in front of decision makers from several verticals, including fashion, beauty, travel, materials and textiles, health and fitness, and lifestyle. Email us at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. And now, on with the show.
1: All right, welcome back to the show. Um, Of course, we are here with Sam Shankman, and we're going into our third segment, and that means... Off the beaten path. That's right, it is off the beaten path. We look to our trusted flight attendant to, uh, to, to see who asks the first question.
0: And gentlemen, with passenger puffing ball, please press your call button for the flight attendant.
1: And of course, that comes to me. Um, all right, let's see. So, you seem to be somebody that is constantly growing and learning. Um, so, you went into um, Skift without being a writer, but just with a, a penchant for writing. You then became, you actually did quite well at that to the extent that you went into a major trade publication. Uh, of travel and leisure did the same. Now you're learning basically how to film and produce a documentary or you are producing a documentary or you have produced a documentary, sorry. But what I'm interested in is that you live on an Airbnb farm and I'm wondering how much of that experience there is new to you, what you're learning from that and what how it resonates with how do you identify, like how do you, how does that relate with you as a person and what are you taking away from it?
2: Well, thank you for saying that I seem like somebody who's already grow- always growing, because I think that's probably my goal mm-hmm. and I appreciate that. And I think that that ties in perfectly with the question, which is what, what am I taking from living on a farm? And I would have to say, or is that the question? Yeah. 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 And so I mean, the opportunity presented itself. Is this the first time you're living on a farm? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. One time, I was living on Long Island, and we had a small farm in our backyard. A mm-hmm. small garden in our backyard mm-hmm. growing up, but I'm talking five feet by five feet. Sure. Um, so f- five acres, uh, and figuring out how to farm that biodynamically, which is organically, but a step further. Mm-hmm is 100% a learning experience. Now, most people thought that going from living in Manhattan to a farm in a foreign country seemed wild. And I think that I went with the idea that there's always something new to learn, that maybe it would give me a different perspective um, from the work that I had been doing. And I think that that's what I've taken from it, that there's – flexibility to schedules that I think that people love travel. Because why? Because it takes you out of your everyday schedule. It takes you out of your nine to five. It takes you out of your daily responsibilities. And what we don't realize is that any day we're able to step out of that. We're able to reimagine how we create a life and making a change from living in a city to learning what it means to actually break open land, take out the rocks, put in the lettuce, work with um, workers and volunteers from all over the world, learn about their stories it showed me that there's always another way to, to create, to learn. And, and to be honest, I've been feeling more creative and able to produce more work there than I had in New York in a long time. And I think that this isn't a conversation about um, New York versus not New York. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love New York. And it's not even a conversation about city or not city because I spend a lot of time in Barcelona as well. I think it's about, travel taking us out of our experiences and realizing that we can kind of travel any day of our life what have
1: you Mm. learned about yourself that you didn't realize until this moment this experience of living and and nurturing a a land
2: how much of a city person i actually am (laughs) Um, and also testing my, my limits in terms of just comforts. I mean, it's an, Um, eco-friendly house that which is run on a solar panel which means that you have to be super conscientious of how you um, are using the energy there and i think that a lot of times i and other people like to say oh i'm i'm eco-friendly or oh i'd like to live a sustainable lifestyle but until you actually have to you don't realize what that means yeah
0: It's like when you like brush your teeth with the water running, and then you get that example of that's like a gallon of water, man. Like you just killed a dolphin. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) (laughs) All right. So now we're gonna go to our next question, and uh, now up next
1: is. Ladies and gentlemen, would passenger John
0: Matson please report to Gate Twenty Three A? Oh, that's me. Um. Hey, Sam. So you mentioned that. Um. You know you when you first started writing, you were for this kind of straight tech publication, and that didn't seem like uh the right fit, but that you knew you loved travel, so I'm wondering uh at what point in your life you had that realization like could have been for when you're when you were a kid or at any other point was there like one thing that oh, I really love travel
2: i hadn't traveled that much as a child. We would travel around the U.S., but after I went to my first year of um, college, I was hungry for a new experience. I felt that I was learning in a classroom, but I was just really eager for something different. And through that, I spent the summer in Spain, which began, began a long love affair with Spain, obviously. But I also remember walking down the street and seeing signs in Spanish and hearing the Spanish language and feeling like I was living inside one of the pages of the Spanish workbook I'd used as a child, uh, that you, you know, when you're just learning a different language, maybe in fifth grade. And I was like, wow, you can leave home and literally be transported to what can feel like a different planet. And because I was traveling, I was traveling alone. I had gone to work in Spain. Um, it was the first time I was traveling alone. I was completely immersed in the new culture and I just didn't realize how drastically, how drastic, how much your reality can change with just a flight. And I think that was really the moment that I realized through travel, I can experience other ways of living. I can be um, exposed to other ways of thinking and that I can kind of be, um, motivated to not get lazy in how I think. I think that when you're doing the same thing day in and day out, it can be easy. And I'm as as susceptible as it to anyone to kind of lazy thinking that this is the world and this is how it works. And I think when we travel and we're exposed to new cultures and new people, it forces us to stay alert and it forces us to always think, is there another way to see this? Is there uh, another perspective that I can use?
0: It creates empathy in that way, right? A hundred
2: percent. Empathy is huge.
1: Great. So uh, even though that sounded like a final thought, um, do you have a final thought, even reflecting on this interview or uh, your experiences recently, the the film and the work that you're doing, is there anything that you want to put forward?
2: Yes. I think that whether it comes to, Whether we're talking about um, the creative work that I've done, whether we're talking about the places that you can travel to, there is often a mentality that, "Wow, it's so great that somebody else can go there, that somebody else can do that," and that what anybody who's ever created anything realizes is that you don't know what you're doing until you do it. You don't know what a place is like until you've been there. But we. Every single person has an equal opportunity to see the world, to create something meaningful and that that it's not reserved for just a few special people that anybody can create any startup, visit the world, that there's always a way. And once you decide that you want to do it, um, there's always a path that will appear.
1: Perfect. And uh, now if people want to connect with you or the work that you are producing, um, what's the best way to keep up with you?
2: You could find me on Twitter at Sam Shankman, on Instagram at Sam Travels, or shoot me an email at SL Shankman. That's S-L-S-H-A-N-K-M-A-N at Gmail.
1: Perfect. Um, so that does it for this episode of Travel is Your Business. Thank you so much to our guest, Samantha Shankman, for joining us today.
2: Thank you. I've I'm usually the one interviewing, so it's yes, fun to be interviewed. so something. <laughs> well
1: well <laughs> of note um, so let's take that full 360 uh, you as guests you're gonna hear a lot more of Sam because she is going to be a regular host in the rotation of this show yeah. uh, so we're really really excited about that to have you on board and uh, this was a great introduction to um, who you are and what you're doing
2: it was fun thanks guys cool uh,
1: so that's it um, and for John Matson, bon voyage
3: we hope you enjoyed your stay and uh, we'll see you next time This has been Travel Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show, or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at travelisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel, B-I-Z, show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, travelisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thank you for listening.
2: This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.